Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, Right Time Experiences, published by Wiley. She's also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be here today with Crystal Beaumont. She is the CEO of Talent. I had the opportunity to interview Crystal last year for some work I was doing on how companies are leveraging data and some things they need to think about in terms of data integrity moving forward. And as we were looking at this future of work and hybrid work and the changes in work, I thought she would be a great person to talk to about what's going on in the space and how things are changing with how people are thinking about data and other things. So Crystal, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. Can you spend just a minute briefly sharing what your organization does with the audience for a little level setting and context for them? You bet. So Talend is a global data integration and data management organization. And really, all that means is we help organizations of all sizes across the globe make the best use of their data to help them run their businesses and make great decisions. Well, I've been following this data thing for a while and this a whole concept of you know data is the new oil and oil's great, but you need an engine and some other things to make it happen. It needs some processing. So I'm happy that we get a chance to talk about it. And I know that you know you've been working with a lot of customers. You came in during the pandemic, which is a really interesting time to uh, be in a business and and try to meet new people and meet clients. And so, how has COVID changed? your customers' digital transformation or data transformation plans? Well, it's taken what was, I think, an opportunity for a lot of organizations and moved it to a necessity is really the the easiest way to boil it down. And there are just a lot of companies that are trying to stay in business, trying to stay out ahead and trying to really see around the corner and not just re-instrument their business, but really reinvent themselves in some cases. I think this reinvention thing is very interesting because for a while, digital transformation, I feel, was just taking what you had and making it digital. Now we're talking about coming up with new processes and new workflows. So it's actually a very interesting time. What do you think your clients are really struggling with at this point in time? You know, the demands of the market have changed making, not just making your employees successful working remote, but really meeting your customers 
and showing up in a way that's very digital changes supply chains. It changes the way that companies make decisions on what they focus on. And one wrong decision could really make all the difference. And, you know, you look at people like GSK is one of our customers. You just hear about the vaccines that are coming out and GSK is looking at making sure they make all the right decisions to help literally save lives. And so these are decisions that are impactful to not just companies staying in business, but into getting people fed in some cases where we have organizations that now distribute food or getting vaccines. And now it's about keeping people alive in some cases. It's it's as serious as that. I think we've seen tremendous change. You mentioned the disruption in the supply chain. You mentioned the need to go digital. We have watched a lot of retailers and food service delivery and all of those organizations that may not have been fully digital embrace digital. And that has actually been a fascinating process to watch. And I think that it means that data is even more important now than it had been in the past. Are you seeing any thoughts or changes in the products that you've been looking at as a result of this need for sort of a real, more real-time data assessment, for example? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's so funny because something you said just made me think of, of a few things that are going on right now. One is I feel like there was a trend towards companies like Domino's, for example. They used to be a pizza delivery company, they used to make pizzas. And a while ago, they had changed to becoming really a digital. They're a data-driven company that's very digitally driven that happens to deliver pizzas. And I feel like this is a big evolution that's going on. That's kind of a draft of what you were just saying. And technologies are now needing to enable companies to really be less about what they originally maybe went into business to do, whether it's to distribute pizzas in the case of Domino's or ventilators in the case of Viair or whatever it might be, and now have become data. Almost every company, I feel like, has now become about how do I maximize data through technologies to actually, that's my business. I operate a a digital data business (laughs) that happens to do the thing that they you know, became known for how many ever years ago. This brings up a older example that I think was sort of ahead of its time. So for example, John Deere, I used to ask people, is John Deere a hardware company or a software and services company? And the reality is they're both now because what Deere recognized early is that there is a power and value to data and that can really change what their product category looks like. So we're now seeing this really interesting marrying of digital and physical. So I I do think you're right. That's probably one of the more longstanding trends. Are there any short-term trends that you're seeing with your clients that may or may not persist? Well, I think, you know, the influx of data, having a lot of data isn't necessarily always easy or good, right? In the sense that just having mounds of data, I call it, I kind of call it a digital landfill, if you will, of data. If you could equate this in your own personal life or in your professional life to email, there was a day where we would have inner office communication and, you know, papers were switching hands. And then all of a sudden everyone digitized those communications. And that was supposed to be good, Except for now, I don't know about you, but 
but I've got 4,000 emails that I still have to get through. And there's risk in some things that maybe I've missed that I really need to see. And then there's opportunity also in things that maybe I've missed that I really need to see. And so I think these immediate kind of turn of events is that, you know, just simply digitizing data and becoming and knowing now that we are organizations that have to run as a data organization, first and foremost, how do we navigate that? How do we do that? What do we do to make sure that we mitigate risk around a lot of data that the system really needs to be more intelligent and help you become more informed? And that's something that we've been spending a lot of time focusing on is how do we make sure that at a minimum that you have confidence in the data that you're using and that you have a way to measure that. And so it's something that we think a lot about that goes beyond just moving it and saying, okay, let's make sure it's meaningful and it's trustworthy in our case. Yeah. Moving from the, it was data lakes and data oceans and data swamps and thinking about this concept of the, of the single source of the truth or the single source of truth doesn't necessarily have to live in one repository, as you just mentioned, but just really understanding if it's the right data so that we can get people over that challenge of indecision based on not knowing if they have the right information. So I think that's a that's a critical change and a critical opportunity for organizations. And I know you were just talking about this notion of being a data-driven organization and how that changes. And I'm sure that's part of what you think is part of the next phase of our recovery because we're having very strange times in the pre-post-COVID world. What other challenges or opportunities are you expecting in this recovery? Well, I think this has been a forcing function where organizations and maybe even individuals within organizations across the world, I just simply believe did not think certain things were possible. And we've all now seen whether that's we can work from home. It's not required that we're sitting across the table from each other or that certain things can be performed online. Whatever the case may be, you know, it could be rolling out a, you know, using mobile boarding passes, rolling out Zoom to hundreds of thousands of employees. It's amazing to me to listen to executives talk about how in two weeks we rolled out Microsoft Teams or Zoom. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, of course we can do that. I think it's this mindset that is now been forced upon us to say, guess what? Not only is it possible, I think we've fallen massively behind. I think the idea that people in the United States, especially, think that we're innovative we are sadly mistaken. We are not innovative. I think the next thing is to say, don't let us rest on this that's been forced upon us out of the necessity of COVID. What else are we behind on? It's a, a little bit of an innovator's dilemma situation that we have to change our mindset to say, of course, and actually can be done much faster than we've ever done it before. And we've proven it. So now what's the next thing? Because I think these things that we're doing now our table stakes. You know, how do we really raise the game? How do we elevate ourselves to something that's beyond rolling out teams across a company or working from home? So I think those are just table stake things that now organizations, just like we were talking about with some of our customers, have had to reinvent themselves. But what's the next level? I think there's a big opportunity for us to look at, and of course, data will drive those opportunities. And I think it's something that we, it's just, it's an exciting time if you think about it in a way that 
we don't get too comfortable with the things that we think we've made progress on. I'm going to use some air quotes on that one. Progress. <laughs> I like it because people in the audience can't see the air quotes, but they, I, I definitely agree with you. I had this moment where a while ago I was sitting at a restaurant and basically there was a QR code now to get the menu. And I started thinking, man, it took a pandemic to get the U.S. to use QR codes. I mean, they'd have been in Europe forever. So it was one of those really interesting things when you're absolutely right. We haven't pushed the envelope yet. I started talking to organizations a few years ago about building this thing I called right time experiences, right information, right person, right time. It wasn't a new concept, but my hypothesis was we were starting to get the right technology to do that. We could make our services contextual, adaptive, learning, predictive. And this, I think, is the power of the data that you're talking about and starting to create these more data-driven products, you know, with a better understanding of someone that you don't get a mailing that says targeted personal offerings for unknown and then the last name of the person that lives there. It's like, well, if it's if it's an unknown first name, I'm guessing it's not very targeted at this point in time. So it's 100% right. I think if you think about all the different types of data, IoT data, edge devices, streaming data, it's a little behind the times, I think, in many cases, if you think about how people are using data or information to run their business, you know, to instrument their business, these are very almost like static, 10-year-old kind of reporting type of not super sophisticated in a lot of cases. These have been kind of the baseline by which we instrument a business. And now none of that applies anymore, right? You can't use anything that you used a year ago to say, I'm going to use this as a way to have a guide of leading or lagging indicators for what's happening. And that's just to, to stay in a position of running your business. And that goes, that's far away from what you're talking about, where the whole world has an opportunity to really change how we work, how organizations have employees, not just show up to work in a remote setting, but work on demand in a very different way than we have ever even imagined today. I think every setting that we have today within our four walls and then the way that we serve customers has an opportunity. And this is the moment where we go, let's go challenge it. How do we think about this completely differently? Not with the restrictions that we've self-imposed, but more of what should it look like? And I think that mindset and that push the envelope on everything from an individual employee and how they work for someone in the future to how a company supports an industry, we really have a great opportunity if we take advantage of it. And it's kind of cool, but it's also a little bit of how much of that will will people really push beyond when we go back to normal, another set of air quotes. <laughs> so there's a lot of debate about if and what back to normal is. But I agree with you. And one of the things that's really fascinating about what you just said is if it's not about the historical data you had, it makes it really interesting for companies of all sizes to think if you're starting from here, moving forward, and you're building this really interesting set of data-driven capabilities in your business, how successful could you be? You know, could you be the next powerhouse in your industry? Because if we aren't working on old benchmarks, there's opportunity to build new benchmarks. So that's pretty fascinating as a concept of leveling the playing field a bit. 
and creating some new offerings and services. And I know you've been, you just mentioned the whole employee landscape. And I know that you've been thinking a lot about approaches to employee engagement. And you came in at a very interesting time as well. And part of this podcast is really about employee experience and creating culture. Any thoughts about how organizations should be rethinking their approach to employee engagement? I think just like we were talking about with opportunities to disrupt an industry or to really rethink or reimagine, I think this is the moment to do that with your employees. I really believe there are important topics, whether it's about how you really care for an employee and how important someone's mental and emotional health is. That has been a bit of a taboo topic that, for whatever reason, is viewed as something that is off limits or is something that has a negative connotation to it. And I always find that very interesting that that organ is treated differently than any other organ in your body. And it quite frankly is flies in the face of what now COVID has done a couple of things to bring people right in the homes of every employee where before you could put on that face and you can go have your, you know, your employee persona and kind of show up and pretend like everything's okay. And now we've been brought into everyone's home and everyone's like, I'm not okay. I'm actually not okay. And I think in a way, just to humanize individuals that really are the thing that run companies, it's the people. And so I think that aspect of it is really underserved. And I think it's something that's a shame. But then there's a lot of other aspects on how you really make a company come to life with employees when you're not physically sitting in, a, in the same room. I don't think that's necessary. But I do think it has to be something that you become extremely intentional. You think about communications differently. And you think about how do you make people feel passionate that they want to spend their time dedicated to your company to the degree, maybe someday there will be more on-demand workforces and people won't work this way. But right now for the foreseeable future, I think getting people to feel passionate about something, they feel a connectedness and they feel a meaning and a purpose is really important in this remote world that we're in right now. I think it's going to stay fairly remote, in my opinion. There, I agree. And there are two things that I think are important about that. One is the concept of management skills. I know in the past, management was always something that happened if you were extremely good at your job, you continued to get promoted, and then all of a sudden you were a people manager. And I really wonder if we move forward, are we going to rethink the concept of what management is? And I often thought that they put HR in that role of somebody that helped you try to navigate the process, but that never really happened. So maybe we truly start to get to the point that there are people managers and there are people with empathy that are also trying to create culture. So it would be interesting to see how that role changes as well. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting because being a leader in this type of environment, in this type of setting means that I think you really do have to try to really relate to people and have more of a engagement with people in a way that thinks about, you know, the circumstances that go far outside what you're there to do on a daily basis. You know, usually you can go take, okay, well, whatever's going on in your personal life is going on. Let's go. We're here to do work. And that's just not reality. And I think most people just want to be treated like people (laughs) and just, and have a 
an acknowledgement that some days we're going to have good days and some days we're going to have bad days. And how about we just have authenticity in that we're all here, hopefully to do something really amazing, but we're also human. And so I do think that this idea of leadership and what it means to be a leader and to be really in touch with people as individuals, it's interesting to me because I think people say they want diversity and we talk about diversity and inclusion, but I think when you really break that down and you say, what do you really want? People still sometimes say one thing and do another in the sense that I don't actually want everyone to be different. And I I think that's also an area that we have big room for improvement on. And do we really want people to show up as they are? Or do we want people to show up as we think they should be? And if you're really going to be true to yourself and authentic, you've got to show up that way as the leader first, or people aren't going to believe that you're serious about it. I think this concept, you hit the nail on the head. I wish more people actually acknowledged this. I think right now we're talking a lot about diversity and inclusion, but we haven't really dug down into what that means for our culture and how to embrace that. So that is certainly a topic that we could spend hours discussing, but I know you don't have hours. So I thought maybe we could close with one piece of advice you want to give leaders that are trying to navigate these new waters. Well, I think really boiling down what's important to you as a leader, as it relates to how do you want to lead, what's important to you, and being very intentional about it and making sure that you show up in action. I think the hardest part of this is people usually have a mantra or have things that they philosophically believe as a leader that are our core principles. I think this is when that gets put to the test. And I think it'll be very transparent very quickly for people to know whether or not you live those things. And so I think lead by example and lead by the true things that you you feel are important. And if they're not to you, don't try to pretend that they are. I really think it comes down to core leadership principles. And then I just think push the boundaries raise the bar on what's possible. And most of the things I think that are the obstacles in front of us are simply in our mind of what we believe is possible. But first and foremost, let's take really good care of our people. Wonderful advice. And I also want to note for those in the audience that may not be leading a team, you may still act like a leader and exhibit all of the traits that Crystal just discussed, because I think that's also equally important in organizations. So to sum up a lot of what Crystal said, challenge everything so that you can be successful moving forward. Thank you so much, Crystal, for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. I so enjoy spending time with you. Thank you for the opportunity. Look forward to talking to you again. You too. Bye-bye. 